AT&T connects an ode to podcasts. Connect the alarm. Change the podcast you stream. Connect the snooze. Ten more minutes to dream. Connect the shower. Lather up with the news. Sports talk. Comedians or movie reviews. Connect with that three-hour philosophy show. Change the drive into work in traffic so slow. Connect the dishes to voices that glow. Thank you to the geniuses of spoken audio. Connect the stories. Change your perspective. Connecting changes everything. AT&T. Looking to step up your Mother's Day flowers? The Home Depot has an idea. Let mom's green thumb do some digging with colorful flowers, pots, and premium soils to bring out the most in her patios, walkways, and gardens. Right now, get Vigoro Potting Soil, just $8.97 for strong, healthy, vibrant plants indoors and outside. Shop our wide selection online and pick up your order in-store and give mom the gift of a beautiful garden. Get Vigoro Potting Soil, just $8.97 at The Home Depot. How doers get more done. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. The Winning Difference knows that true winning does not have to be dictated by the scoreboard. Winning is engaging kids in character building, building confidence, and creating successful habits using sports. That's our goal. That's what we need to be doing. That's where we're lost. This is the Reform Sports Project, a podcast about restoring healthy balance and perspective in all areas of sport through education and advocacy. Hi, this is Nick Bonacore from the Reform Sports Podcast. My guest today is Libby Mascaro, a decorated athlete, soccer coach, and mental health advocate. A standout soccer player when she attended Mount Lebanon High School, she went on to compete at the NCAA Division I level for Penn State University. She is a fierce advocate for mental health awareness and works closely with the Upper St. Clair Wellness Committee, which she co-founded in 2017, the National Alliance on Mental Illness, and the American Foundation for Suicide Prevention. She was recently awarded Citizen of the Year for her mental health-focused work in the Upper St. Clair community. Libby and I discuss her passion for mental health advocacy, the commodification of young athletes in sports, particularly in youth soccer, and the importance of prioritizing well-being of young athletes as they navigate the complex dynamics of sports and adolescence. I've been very much looking forward to having this guest on. We connected, uh, you know, through Reform Sports Project, through social media. I kind of became a big fan of hers and the work that she does. And, and uh, you know, I've gotten to know her a little bit, you know, just through posting and, of course, doing some due diligence, reading about her and such. And she's paving the way for some really special things and a big advocate for youth sports and a coach. Um, former athlete and, and mom and all these great things. Coach Libby Mascaro. Coach, thanks so much for hopping on. Hey, Nick. Um, First, thank you so much for having me. It's a super big honor and I'm super grateful. So thank you so much for taking the time. Oh my God. No, no worries. Thank you. You have a very, I mean, you're a decorated athlete, you're a coach, club coach. um, You're a mental health advocate. I mean, can can you kind of give me your backstory? Like who the hell is Libby Mascaro? (laughs) Um, Okay. Well, that's a loaded question, but um, 
I would say, first of all, I'm a super huge fan of yours. Um, like you said, we connected on social media a couple years ago. I noticed a post of yours and it just kind of resonated and clicked with me. And um, you're a huge inspiration for me and how I lead my teams, our team. And so I just wanted to point that out and thank you for the insanely awesome work you're doing. And you're talking about stuff that needs to be talked about. And a lot of people aren't. So thank you for that. Um, so I am, yes, first and foremost, a mom. I have two daughters who, one's a sophomore in high school, one's a freshman. Both um, play high-level soccer, club soccer for the club that I also coach for here in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. It's called Beatling Soccer Club. We play in the Girls Academy League. Um, but I, um, most importantly, my role as a mom. But yes, of course, like I said, I'm a coach. Um, and I, I got into coaching many years ago Um Actually, I was in high school and I did a volunteer coach for our local travel team and fast forward. When my kids were old enough to kick a ball around, I started coaching them and then just kind of have continued in this coaching role. I've coached the high school level, but most recently with um, club soccer here in Pittsburgh. Um, but you talked about my work with mental health advocacy and awareness. Unfortunately, 10 years ago, my mother, who suffered pretty much most of her life, but certainly the last 10 to 15 years of her life were the worst. She had a very serious mental illness. She unfortunately died by suicide on June 1st of 2013. And at that point, myself and my brother kind of catapulted into just throwing ourselves into the droves of how we can help people with mental illnesses and disorders. So fast forward to today, um, it's actually transformed not only how I help others, but how I coach. Um, specifically young female athletes, which that is what I coach with two other coaches who are amazing. Um, we have a roster of 16 players that are just wonderful, amazing young female athletes. But there's a certain way, in my opinion, to lead young female athletes. First of all, I'm sorry, you know, that you that your mom passed and, and that's and, okay. And, and, and all of that. But I love how you're kind of spearheaded. You're kind of using that your platform as a way. And, and I guess I want to ask like, why do you see, cause I, I've, I've read some articles and you were recently awarded, like you have to give me the exact what it was, but you had a big award, like female person of the year or whatever the heck it was. But like, what about the correlation in youth sports and mental health? Why do you see a correlation there? And why do you think that that platform is a good place to, to, you know, kind of spearhead your mission? So the award was given by a local judge who gives away an award every year to the, the award is called citizen of the year. So I was awarded that for, for a couple of reasons, which I am insanely humbled. And it's mostly based on sort of the community outreach stuff that I've been doing the last 10 years, mainly with mental health advocacy and awareness. I work with a couple of local organizations here, but then I do a lot of work in our school district specifically for kind of, you know, taking care of our students here. We have 4,000 students in our school district. Um, a few years ago, myself and another amazing human being um, started something called the Wellness Committee, where we, our mission is to make sure the students in our district are taking, taken care of both physically, but certainly mentally. Um, so I would have to say having two teenage daughters and then coaching the exact same age of my daughters for the past. I've had this team with um, a couple other coaches, our team for, I think this is our fifth season together. So I've seen these girls come up from U10 basically to where we are right now at U15. But I also live with two teenage daughters. 
So the, the concept of being this coach, but also a female, but also who happens to be a, a mom is this dynamic that, that sometimes is, is hard because you're seeing every aspect of the game, the coaching, the leadership, the players. I'm seeing it everywhere. I'm seeing the whole circle of where we are with this age group. So my biggest concern is making sure that these players are taking care of as a person, a human being, a young female athlete before anything else. We need to focus on the person, the child, the female before they are that player coming onto the pitch. It's vital. So is that a shift like you know, I would assume I have, you know, we just talked about it. I have a few more kids than you, but we, we got to be somewhere yes. in the ballpark of around the same, you know, I'm probably a few years older than you maybe, but I don't recall when I was growing up, there being any, it was almost like a stigma. Like, dude, you don't talk about stuff. Now I'm a guy. Now yes. maybe that's just a, a, a gender stereotype and guys are supposed to, you know, stick their chest out and make pretend everything's okay. Yes. And yada, yada, yada. I feel like you have a lot of, you know, high level athletes that are, that are really turning that and kind of that, that scarlet letters kind of going by the wayside, which is a blessing. But why in particular from an overall just youth standpoint, do you feel like there's been such a shift from the time that you and I may have been coming up and now the emphasis on mental, mental health? Um, I know one thing for sure is, is leadership. I think the idea of leadership, whether that means a coaching role, um, a parent role, a director of a club role. Um, I, I just think that we have, we have gotten to a point where a couple things are leading the way, money, ego, and then this person this, this amazing, wonderful, incredibly talented thing in front of you, your player, is being kind of tossed to the side. It's win at all costs. It's transactional versus transformational leadership. Um, we just, we, we've gotten to a point where we really, when it comes down to it, do we really care about the player, the person? Do we? Yes, we care about the player and the athlete winning for us, scoring goals, making baskets, whatever it is. But how did we get to that point? We have to get back to the point of taking care and loving the person before what they're doing for us on the court, on the pitch. I've heard it said that almost like, uh, you know, kids are, are becoming commodities, you know, to a certain yes. degree. So I'm listening to you and I'm going, is that kind of it? Like we're, we're almost using... And I say we, I'm saying in general, our generation, like the transformation, like, is it a matter of rather than looking at young people as let's help mold and shape these human beings into becoming the best versions of the self and, and using sports as a, as a mechanism to do so versus you think it's kind of become, well, I need to use these kids to help elevate my status as a coach or as an adult. Do you think that's kind of yes. gotten out of balance? Yes, 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 yes. And it's not just club soccer. It's not just the, the, the realm that I'm in, that I live in every day. It's not just club soccer. It's, it's all sports. It's all youth sports. We have early specialization. We have kids being told that they can't play multiple sports at 10 years old because, you know, their soccer season is, is a year long and their, their parents are paying $4,000. It's just we've gotten to this point where we, and I say we again as a general term, the goal is not the, the person and then the player. The goal is the coach what the coach can get out of it, what the coach can make, what the coach can do, what the club has done. It's all about 
what we're doing for that ego, I think it's a huge issue. And there's this quote, and one of my biggest inspirations besides you and several other people is um, the winning difference. So it's a it's a guy that I started following on Twitter. I'm sure you know. You've probably followed him too. Yeah. This is an awesome quote, and you just touched on it. The winning difference knows that true winning does not have to be dictated by the scoreboard. Winning is engaging kids in character building, building confidence, and creating successful habits using sports. That's our goal. That's what we need to be doing. That's where we're lost. That is not what we're doing. So I got to ask you, how do you as a club coach juggle the balance of, and I don't know any fees or what about, but how do you juggle the performance demands of say a paying customer, right? A, a parent versus, you know, I guess being able to navigate what you believe your core values are, your why is to coaching. Do you convey that? Do parents come to your club knowing like, Hey, it's more than sports. Libby, Coach Mascaro, like we're doing it for this reason. And how do you convey that and navigate? Because, I mean, let's face it, if if you're not winning, you might lose all your players and then you, you have no more kids to coach, right? So there's an element of that. How do you juggle? So a couple of things. Um, the number one job of a coach, in my opinion, the only thing that you should be focusing on, of course, other things that, you know, skills, the number one job of myself and the other coaches is to build an intentional, established culture. And I will be totally honest. When I first started coaching, I knew nothing about culture. I knew, I didn't even know what the word meant. I didn't know anything. I didn't know anybody who talked about culture. I probably, if I look back, I might be, I made so many mistakes. The self-reflection from my beginning days of coaching are enormous. And from what I've learned until this point, the number one job is to build that culture. So myself up top looking down with my other two coaches to our players, right? We're the ones that build this culture. You teach them. Does it happen overnight? No way. It's an arduous process. It takes time. It takes commitment. It takes learning. It takes reading, researching, meeting people, Nick, like yourself, right? Have I learned this? Have I, am I doing stuff that I've learned from other people? Of course. I have so many people, John Gordon, Kate Lavelle, Lance Loya, Brett Ledbetter, yourself, Greg Burge. I mean, greatest coaches of all time, Nick Saban, um, Pat Summit, Anson Durrance, right? All of them have created this idea that I, that I lead by. So I, I give them full credit. However, it has taken me a lot of time to get where we are today. The biggest thing also is teaching your players, your team, how to be good teammates, the expert on that is a guy, in my opinion, named Lance Loya. He's local. He's out of Dubois, Pennsylvania. He's insane. He wrote a book called The We Gear. The concept is how your success as a player is determined directly by the success of your teammates, meaning you will not succeed if your teammates do not succeed. You have to teach your players to want their teammates to succeed. You cannot want them to fail. You will not be successful. Is it a concept that we all think, wow, that's a pretty easy concept to, to understand, but it's not. We have to lead them and teach them. Um, I'd also have to say that it's, it's putting everybody's egos aside. Um, coaches, players, directors, owners. Um, the other thing is teaching them about servant leadership. Mm. Leadership is about serving others, period. And once you kind of develop this established culture, we always have a team meeting before our season starts. We sit down. It's player-led also. Huge thing. Player-led teams win. We sit down. 
The girls are broken up into small groups. We talk about what our team goals are. We talk about personal goals. We create a team mantra for the entire year, but it's player-led. The groups come back. They, they present what they decided on, and then the team votes. Do I vote? Do our other coaches vote? No, it's player-led. They come up with the culture, the pillars, what they want, their expectations of each other, and that is what we live, breathe by the entire season. When we return, Libby and I dive deeper into building a strong team culture and mental health awareness in youth sports. Before we go to break, I wanted to share some exciting news from TeamSnap as they have acquired Mojo, a leading youth sports technology and media platform. In addition to the best-in-class sports management solutions used by 2 million-plus daily active users and more than 19,000 sports organizations, Mojo brings an award-winning library of games, drills, and session-by-session support for youth coaches, as well as robust interactive multimedia tools, including live streaming, for families and fans to engage on and off the field. The combination of the two industry-leading consumer tech platforms also creates the most comprehensive suite of B2B tools available for youth sports organizations, including powerful content distribution capabilities to drive adoption of coaching and training programs, registration tools, payment processing, organization management tools, and much more. Head to teamsnap.com slash mojo today to learn all about it. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bob Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Puma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert Week to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds from Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club. Okay. I love Walker Hayes. He's amazing. He's so fun. Such a great entertainer. And that's why I'm so excited that JCPenney and country music singer-songwriter Walker Hayes are partnering together on a new limited-time men's collection for the everyday guy. The Walker Hayes for JCPenney collection is an upbeat playlist of instant classics with laid-back appeal and down-home vibes. As a dad of seven kids, he knows exactly what fathers want and need when it comes to their style. This collection reflects his casually cool styles with outdoor-inspired details and versatile colors. Perfect for the guy living the t-shirt life or someone wanting some fresh options that feel just as good. It's easy to wear affordable styles that celebrate the ultimate family man, along with the quality, durability, and sensibility dads appreciate. Available online Saturday, May 4th at jcp.com and in-store Thursday, May 16th, just in time for Father's Day. Limited time only. JCPenney, make it count. Where we left off, Libby and I were about to discuss the importance of culture and accountability in a team's success and her belief that clubs should provide mental health education for coaches to better support their players' mental well-being. 
you mentioned that word culture, um, but that takes time, right? You believe in it. How often do you as a coach revisit your why? Like, is that something you have to go back to? Because I know even me, if I'm not intentional, I can get lost in results. Like I can get lost in the weeds of things that I, I know in the long term are, you know, you start focusing on short term, right? What's in front of you. So at times I got to revisit, like, hold on, let's keep this perspective. Is that something that you try to practice? And also, do you try to teach, you know, your kids that? So part of the, the, the working hard on it and learning and, and taking the time is, is staying committed to it and being consistent to the culture that the girls have established and holding them accountable. And when you, the question is every single day, I mean, every single training session, every single huddle, right before we, you know, we say the starting lineup and we were in our huddle, hugged up really close. I say to the girls, who are you playing for? They all say each other and then they go off onto the pitch. It's every single training session we talk about it. It's something that's at the forefront. We spend a lot of time with X's and O's, of course. We have insanely talented coaches on this staff tactically, but I'm sorry. It's a smaller portion, in my opinion, to what really drives our team's success. And I'll tell you, Nick, we have had incredible success. This team that we coach is very successful. We don't have a whole lot of superstars. We have a lot of kids who love each other who play for each other, that's why we win. Are they talented skills-wise? Of course they are. They're incredibly talented, hardworking, but they love each other. They would run through a brick wall for each other when they are on that field. So these girls know each other really well, right? You're building that culture where they love each other. They're building that relationship. I know that as a teammate, you hold each other accountable, but you also are reluctant at times to you know, perhaps convey to a coach if something's going on with your teammate, right? Kids keep each other's secrets at times. You kind of build that bond. How do you, as someone who has experience with mental health, mental illness, how do you handle if you see something? Because a lot of parents out there, listen, I have teenage kids and sometimes you see something, it's just a teenage kid being a teenage kid. But when do you know that, hey, I maybe need to pay attention to this and like, I guess, how do you handle that? Because I feel like it's something that all of us parents need education on. And some have no experience, some have none, and some are in the weeds confused. Well, that's a really good question. And I think sometimes coaches, leaders, directors, owners, um, they're not experts on mental illness and disorders and necessarily advocacy and awareness. But we're in this leadership role, so we're kind of expected to be educated in that. And I think we're trying our best. And I think every coach has, you know, their way of dealing with it. But for me, it's mostly making sure that our players are confident and we have open relationships with each other, meaning the communication. They're not afraid to come to me, to our other two coaches. We have this very, very strong bond and the relationship that we have with each other and that they have it with each other, they're confident enough to have those tough conversations or even come to us and say, Hey, this is what's going on. I need help. Um, So I I also think that clubs maybe in every sport, youth sport, there should be maybe some sort of education that happens. You know, we get CPR certified. We get AED certified. Why are we not having some sort of, you know, course, like kind of like safe sport where you go in, you have to take something and get a certification, Sure. you know, a coaching course. We have to do certain things to be a coach in order to coach at certain levels. Right. 
So this mental health part of sports is so enormous. I think it would be wonderful if we had coaches being, you know, responsible for taking some sort of, you know, baseline course for mental health, just so you know the signs and the symptoms and the questions to ask or how you can help them. Um, And certainly since COVID, you know, we're dealing with, unfortunately, a very large and serious epidemic with mental health crisis. We are in a mental health crisis for our young kids. We are. Um, The data shows it. The research shows it. Um, So I think maybe one of those things that we can do going forward is educate our leaders maybe a little bit more on mental health. So do you feel like it's a conversation that parents should be having? Because you you struggle in a game, right? My kids wrestle. Someone, you know, has a bad match. One of their teammates has a bad And then they get pissed, right? Kids are kids. They get upset, right? There's a difference between disappointed in your results and maybe something else going on. Is it as simple as just, hey, check on your teammate? Is there any type of like things that you could put in your kid's head or me as a parent can pay attention to some red flags? I know you mentioned confidence, but is it like, is it just the obvious things like staying in the room, not talking? But then you do research sometimes and it's like, you know, sometimes a 16 year old will just shut down, you know? So how do you know? Is it, is it probing questions? Is it just keeping the dialogue open? Because I struggle with it as a parent of, you know, three teenagers, right? right now at times. Yeah. And living with two teenage girls, um, it's like a mystery. It's like, I saw something on Twitter. It was funny. It was a meme. It said something like having a teenage kid in your house is like having, you know, like someone that wants nothing to do with you. And you text them, Hey honey, I love you so much. You're the best thing that's ever happened to me. I'm so proud of you. And they reply back. (laughs) Okay. It's like, Oh geez. (laughs) Like they, like literally they said nothing to you back. Um, I, I think right now, the biggest thing, is to, especially when, you know, they lost a match, they lost a game, or maybe we won and they think they didn't play well. You know, it's, it's all over the internet. It's talked about a million times when they get into the car and I did not do this in the beginning. I will tell you, this is something I learned when they get in the car. I always let them speak first. I say nothing about the game. I don't. And I think for me, I'm 46. We grew up different, right? We grew up with a parent, you know, it was like this hardcore, you know, leadership and feedback. And, and I think sometimes that's okay, but I think that we need to stop talking to our kids when they don't want to talk, number one. So maybe, maybe realizing that and just reading the room. But, um, I think the biggest thing is just being, being just a, a sounding board, just be a mom, just be a dad, just they just want you to be with them. They just want you to sit there. They just want you to listen. That's all they want. They don't want to hear anything about how they played, how they didn't play. The other thing that's the worst possible thing they can do that I think is a big sign is if they start comparing themselves to others. Comparison is the thief of joy. And it's the thief of, in my opinion, confidence and true talent or true potential. I think comparison is huge. Or saying things like, you know, I'm not good enough or, oh my gosh, so-and-so is so much better than me. I think that's a big red flag. Um, but it's tough. It's tough. I'll tell you. I got to say it happened not too long ago. My, um, my son is a senior in high school who's really even keeled. And he's a, he loves competing and all that. He's a wrestler, but he had a match and he lost and he lost in like the last like seven seconds. And he was so pissed. He just got turned at the wrong, and he, he just gassed out anyway, but he was so mad. And, and it was like five minutes after the match. And I was going to go down and just, Hey man, I'm proud of you. Good try. And I, I can tell, <laughs> I could tell immediately. I didn't, you said, I think you said, read the room and I could yeah. tell. Cause I've said, I said, uh, Tyler, and he didn't respond. And that's not normal for him. 
mm-hmm. usually he's like, Hey, you know, cause he knows I'm not going to like criticize him or anything. I don't, I don't do, I don't, I don't really care. But he was hot. Like what I mean by hot, he was pissed. And I said, Tyler, then I went and put my arm on. He goes, dad, just leave me alone right now. And I initially, I wanted to like go, oh dude, I, I wanted to like visualize him as like a seven year old. I'm like, dude, I'm your dad. But I walked away and I was like, man, he handled that probably a hundred times better than I did when I was 16 years old. And my dad was annoying me for a second. Like, cause I, I was like a spoiled brat at times. And I'd be like, dad, leave me the hell alone. Like I was obnoxious at times. I didn't want to hear from anybody, particularly my dad, if I like struck out in a baseball game. Um, but then like I gave him space. I walked away and I'm like, man, I messed up right there. Like I, I could tell he was just, he needed a little, he needed a little bit of time. He was still breathing heavy. And even though my intentions were good, it was like, I think that's such a great point. A little bit of common sense at times. It's like, how would I feel? Do I want to hear from anybody really? I mean, if my coach says something to me, that's my coach. But it's like, sometimes you need a, you need a breather and reading the room, kind of understanding like, Hey, let's give it a little bit of time. Even I fall short in that. And I think it's, I think it's such a great, simple piece of advice is let them come to you. You know, I think that that's a good thing. Like we don't have to initiate every conversation, particularly, you know, after they have a bad event or, or something doesn't go their way. Well, and I think it's teenagers in general. I mean, like we have two daughters. My husband gets so upset and takes it so personally. If my 16 year old comes down the stairs in the morning, grumpy and doesn't want to talk to anybody, I read the room and I'm like, I'm getting out of the way of her. Oh boy. What do you want for breakfast? Nothing. Okay. Um, do you need water? No. And then my husband bebops into the kitchen like, hey, everybody, good morning. I mean, he's trying to be positive. He's amazing and very loving and kind. And they look at him like they want to stab him and he gets very upset. We, we, we've had some conversations can, about how I can relate to your husband a little <laughs> I bit. I know, <laughs> I know. So we've had many conversations about like, honey, just read the room. It's six 45 in the morning. They probably don't. It's just, just teenage girls. And he said, Oh, but you know, they're so mean to me. I'm like, honey, they're not being mean. It's just, <laughs> um, it's just teenage girls. Got to get some thick skin, you know? But then I think back, like, was I like that to my mom and my dad? Like, Oh gosh, but I guess I was, I mean, I don't think that has changed. It's just, we just, I think we're just more aware of how we can be dealing with them in these situations. Just being present, just reading the room, you know, being empathetic. Um, they already have enough pressure on them anyway. If, if a kid makes a mistake in a game, don't you think they already feel terrible? I mean, they do. They already feel terrible. There is no reason for us to revisit that. The moment has come and gone. There's nothing anybody can do about it. It's over. Why? I, that's what. That's one of the biggest things I don't understand with coaches and with parents. I had a girl this spring miss a PK. She's one of our best PK hitters. I mean, never missed one that we practiced all year. She missed it. Okay, it was in a very important game. She missed the penalty kick. Her body language immediately changed. I've known this kid for years. I know how her head works. She's dedicated. She's loyal. She works hard on and off the field. I mean, best, best kid you could have on your team in every sense of the word. Great kid, great player, great teammate. Um, she was devastated. She comes off the field halftime and just completely falls into my arms. I mean, the kid was sobbing. What am I going to say to her? Nothing I'm going to say to her is going to help, whether it's bad or good. So you just sit there. You let her cry. You let her fall into your arms. You let her sob, get it out. You know, we made the decision not to start in the second half because we knew she wasn't ready. And you know what happened? There was no reason for anybody to say anything to her other than just, we love you. Her teammates responded like that. 
we just loved on her. Was she still upset after the day went on? Of course she was. Did it take her a couple days to come around? Yes, but nobody intervened. We just loved on her. Sometimes it's just that freaking easy. I love that, man. And, and it's amazing the power of your teammates just and your coaches just, hey, it's all right. And it kind of makes you realize it's way, it's way more about, you know, and, and as time, time, a lot of oftentimes heals all wounds and, and you just yes. you know, have perspective. Coach, obviously, you know, your passion, your enthusiasm, we're very like-minded. I can talk to you all day long, but we yes. don't have all day. Where can people find you? Where can, I, I know if they Google you, there's all different articles and blah, like what, where can they find your content and how can they get in touch with you? So I would say the most, the most engaged for me with the coaching and the culture and the leading with love stuff is probably on Twitter. Um, so I'm on Twitter. I mean, I'm on Instagram. Um, you know, again, my main role is a mom, but of course the coaching part of it is my second passion and mental health. Um, but I mean, the, the biggest thing is just, you know, lead with love, whether you're a teacher, you know, a coach, a player, a director, a leader in any sense of the word, in any level of life, organizationally, business-wise, you lead with love. You love your people. They will do anything for you. And guess what? The winning comes. Like it just comes. You lead with love. You love your people. It trickles down and you win. I promise. Libby Mascaro, freaking awesome. I love it. Cannot thank you enough for coming on, sharing your perspective. We'll definitely run this back again. I wish you nothing but success. Let's keep in touch. And thanks so much for sharing. Thank you for having me, Nick. I really appreciate it. That's Libby Mascaro, a decorated athlete, soccer coach, and mental health advocate. Thanks for listening to the Reform Sports Podcast. If you've enjoyed this episode, we would appreciate it if you took a moment to rate and review our podcast as we work to grow our community of supporters and advocates. For more Reform Sports content, please subscribe to our newsletter and blog at reformsportsproject.com. You can also follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and LinkedIn. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bob Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Puma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds from Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club. Awards Watch says Liam Neeson is at his best. Don't miss In the Land of Saints and Sinners. Having left his dark past behind, retired hitman Finbar Murphy, played by Neeson, leads a quiet life in a remote coastal Irish town. But when a menacing crew of terrorists arrive, Finbar is drawn into a vicious game of cat and mouse, forcing him to choose between exposing his secret identity or defending his friends and neighbors. In the Land of Saints and Sinners, from Samuel Goldwyn Films and Sony Pictures Home Entertainment. Watch it now on digital. Rated R. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Hey, it's Bobby Bones. Are you looking to build this year? If so, there is no better time than right now to start planning and to get your spot on the construction schedule. If you need a garage, a stall barn, a storage for vehicles, RV, boat, collectibles, or even a, a shop for your farm, hobbies, or car restoration projects, visit mortonbuildings.com and start your construction process. 
With superior materials, craftsmanship, best-in-class warranty, Morton buildings are made to last for generations. At Morton, the difference is in the details. From their cutting-edge innovations to their craftsmen in the field, they are dedicated to surpassing expectations. Their legacy of excellence spans more than 120 years, and Morton Buildings is 100% employee-owned with more than a quarter million satisfied customers. That means they're the industry leader you can trust. When you choose Morton, you'll experience quality at every step of the building process, starting before the walls even go up. Visit mortonbuildings.com to get started today.